Welcome to The Unapologetic Woman. I'm your host, Pyle Berry. With over a decade of a blended experience in clinical psychology and global leadership development, I've dedicated my career and life purpose to empower women to believe I deserve a seat at the table and it's about damn time. But how do you create synergy between who you are and how you lead? On this podcast, we address that inner critic holding you back, release narratives that no longer serve you, and explore how to use your leadership platform to make an impact around diversity, equity, and inclusion. Simply put, I cut out the bullshit. I'm here to share inspiration, practical tips, and have challenging conversations with other badass individuals who are shifting the narrative for all women. So let's stop apologizing for who we are and rise together as the unapologetic woman. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Unapologetic Woman. Today, I have a very special guest. And the reason I say this is because a lot of times when we are growing as entrepreneurs and we are developing ourselves, we have an opportunity to cross paths with someone in multiple ways. And the person I have today is exactly that. I have been her client. She has been my client. (laughs) We have been peers. We are peers and we are friends. The whole purpose and the conversation that we're going to have today is not just to talk about our experiences as being entrepreneurs, but also about our experiences as we are collectively growing together. So with that, I want to introduce a dear friend of mine, Emma Givens, and Emma is the founder and CEO of a boutique branding, messaging, copy, and content writing agency called Emma Givens Content and Copy. And I can tell you, as I've used her services, it has been incredible. So Emma, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's so good to see you in this more formal context on the podcast. (laughs) So happy to have you here. And I want to just go ahead and start with like asking you to just share a little bit about your story and why copy and content writing. What is it about that that gets you excited and what took you down this path? Hmm, absolutely. So writing has been a part of my life for as long as I can remember. I first self-published a very short novella called Hockey Dogs when I was about eight years old. Oh, wow. And it's bound in tissue paper. It has my own illustrations, which is the last time I will ever be illustrating any of my own work. <laughs> and I had such a great experience with that that I couldn't stop writing ever since. And I really started with writing novels. I wrote I think five novels, of course, they were just for enjoyment. They haven't really gone anywhere. But I didn't realize that you could really make a great living doing writing because for me, it was very specific. It was always fiction. And I picture JK Rowling and how that's a one of a kind sort of experience. But when I went exploring my career and I tried everything. I started with bussing tables to working in an IT department, project management, and ended up after quite a while and some travels around the globe in marketing. And through marketing, I realized that with copywriting and content writing, you can make a great living as a writer and you can still tell stories, but tell people's real stories. And the story of someone overcoming something, whether that is the founder of a brand or their ideal client who needs their support. So that's really what brought me here. After about 10 years within the corporate sphere, I struck out on my own to bring the power of brand messaging to entrepreneurs versus large corporations. Now I have a great 
team and we either do the writing for entrepreneurs or we help them make their writing better through coaching. Basically, we have a signature framework that allows us to infuse psychology, your values, your ideal client's language into all of the writing that you do so that basically marketing can bring the ideal clients to our clients <laughs> so that they don't have to work quite so hard at bringing people in just through being themselves and speaking the same language as their ideal clients, they're able to be seen and to have a stream of clients coming into them. So that is incredibly satisfying and super, super fun all at the same time. Wow. That's amazing. You know, one of the things that as you were talking that I picked up on is that you knew at such a young age that you loved writing and you had a passion for it and you felt so connected to that, but then you know, adulthood, I feel like sometimes takes you on this path of, well, especially because we're in society trained to think that there's only a few types of career paths that can actually be financially stable and that you can Mm -hmm. earn a living on. And it's not just one of those like, oh, you know, like when people talk about artists or something, right. And you're just like, oh, the starving artists, but, and writing tends to go into that bucket as well a lot. And, you know, it's like either you become a professor, you become a teacher or, you know, you hope one of your books makes it. And yeah. And usually you're drunk while you're waiting for your book to to make it right. (laughs) Right. And, you know, but what I think is really incredible is that even after all of these processes and whatever you did, you ultimately just came back to trusting yourself and knowing that like, this is what I'm really good at. And you know, these are, this is what I know that I can, like my superpower is that I can give it to the world. And you found that with marketing. And so I guess the takeaway for me, just even from this like quick thing that you just shared (laughs) is that, you know, we already know what we want to do. We already know what we're really good at, but like when we listen to the external world, it makes us question that. Do you feel that way? Absolutely. I definitely was as a teenager and a young adult, incredibly concerned with being responsible, basically. And I didn't think, just like you were describing, didn't really think that being a writer was a realistic or responsible thing to do. And I think it was through just coming back to rediscovering myself and what I loved and also realizing that I could find a way to bring something I loved to help other people. I think that's kind of the sweet spot, something you love to do and you know what you really want and just figuring out how to make that serve other people. That's where I think you find that intersection between finding a lot of joy in your work and also getting paid for it. And I think it exists in so many more industries than we really realize as kids who know like fireman, teacher, doctor, (laughs) these kind of prescribed roles. You know, that's really a great point about how there's so many different industries and everything we do, even for me, like, you know, when I went into psychology, I thought therapist, that was it. There was nothing else that, you know, really was present that you could do with psychology. And even when I was going through the process, it was this idea of like, oh, well, someone's going to come sit on your couch and all of that. And no, that's not how it really works. But, (laughs) you know, through that process, I learned about leadership. I learned about training. I learned about onboarding. I learned about like talent management. There were so many other sectors, you know, child psychology assessments, you know, that can happen, but 
we are so, you know, unless we go out and discover it and learn it, it's really hard for us to know what is possible and to think outside that box. So this idea of like wanting to feel responsible and the path that you found about, you know, wanting to do your craft that you're really great at, but then also serve a purpose for others. And I, knowing you, I know you're such an empath and that's such a big role in it. So tell me and talk to me a little bit about, you know, your journey as an entrepreneur and balancing, you know, being an empath and caring so much, but then setting these boundaries where you're able to care for your clients and now you're building a team. So even with that and really learning to be and standing up more as a leader, how has that been for you? Yeah, so I'll be totally honest in that it has been challenging, but I think that's what's making the journey so satisfying. So definitely, I have gone through phases where I realized I was overgiving to certain clients. Some people just naturally, it's easier to work with boundaries together. And others, if you're not really sure of what your boundaries are, it's very easy for them to get past. (laughs) And so I was finding that, and that showed me both more about who the clients are that I want to work with and also meant that I had to practice setting boundaries. So really from the very beginning of my entrepreneurship journey, I had to work a lot on myself. It was great in the sense that I feel like the reason so many entrepreneurs are interested in personal development is that being an entrepreneur, you have to get better at it. (laughs) You just have to in order to maintain your mental health, in order to do a great job for this business to last long term. I think that's really a blessing and it's been really challenging. (laughs) And so I feel like the biggest lessons have been around communication and reflection on what really matters to me and who really matters to me. And I'm constantly practicing that. I've gotten so good in some areas with boundaries. And then one of the reasons that I work with you, Pyle, is to practice that in yet other areas and really making sure that all of my decisions are aligned with my values and what I really believe in, who I want to spend my time with, who I want my team to spend their time with. And it's still a work in progress. That's just the honest truth. It's still, I think, early on the journey and a work in progress, but I can feel already within, let's even say a year, how much I have grown as a person and how much I know I'm better as a leader for going through those things on my own first that's kind of where I'm at. (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. And I think that you touched on a really important point that you're still growing and Mm -hmm. that it's a journey. And people say this all the time, like, oh, it's self-growth is a journey, but it truly is because depending on where we are in our lives, what decisions we're making, what life stage we're at as well, Mm -hmm. we're going to be coming across different challenges and we're going to be coming across different people that are going to test, you know, certain boundaries of ours, patience of ours, or they're going to bring up things that we thought we had resolved, but we don't. And it's just that we've done a really good job about pushing it back. Or maybe we just (laughs) haven't had to interact with that, you know, in a while. So we thought we're moved on from it. And then it comes up for us and all that emotional responses come up and that overwhelm and frustrations. And, you know, being a young entrepreneur, it can be a lot to process through. And so that's just incredible that you've taken that step for yourself, knowing that, you know, part of growing in this is that you have to be so clear with yourself. Absolutely. I think that has been so incredibly valuable. It's reflecting on my values and being really clear on what I'm good at 
and where I need support. I feel like that kind of self-knowledge or self-awareness has made a huge difference in how I'm able to show up both for our clients and also for my team and even for myself as well. I feel like I'm a lot more comfortable in my own skin for having done that work and kind of building my self-esteem through the facts. I am great at certain things. I'm great at writing. Yeah. <laughs> and I know where to delegate and get the people in my team who are great at things to support me. And I think a lot of that has come through, I would say, this kind of stage one awareness. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm kind of practicing what that really looks like on a day-to-day basis in my business. You know, and that's a lot of the work that we're doing as well in the Unapologetic Group program. And, you know, seeing you show up has been incredible because it really is one of the things where, you know, and even with your work, right, that you do as a uh, copywriter and you coach people to really learn how to write for themselves as well. And I think that it doesn't matter what kind of a coach you are. Like for me, it's mindset work for you. It's copy for someone else, maybe finance and money mindset, you know, or for someone it's like fitness and personal training, but ultimately like we are just the navigating path for the other person, but the individual is the one who has got to show up every day. You know, if you're going to go to a nutritionist, do the work, (laughs) you know, it's not going to just happen by sitting on a piece of paper or doing it every other day. If you're going to do, you know, if you want to fix your money mindset, then you've got to do the work around that. And it's uncomfortable. And I think that's the piece that, you know, what happens is a lot of times people think and feel that they need to have these massive aha moments and these crazy breakthroughs in order to feel like there's change happening. And I think that our society has kind of created this feeling of like everything has to be fireworks and big and loud in order for us to sense change. But, you know, you mentioned that you've noticed your growth happen in the last year, even, would you say it's been a series of small, subtle things, or there've also been a combination of like these big aha moments? I would say it's a bit of a combination. There's definitely daily practices that I now have that I didn't before that I know are building up my resiliency. And at the same time, oftentimes it was through really specific challenges that felt like major events on the timeline that I actually had to put a lot into practice. So I think that's a good balance. (laughs) But I think having that kind of daily practice to support bigger moments. So for example, contract negotiations, it feels like a higher pressure situation or disagreements or major opportunities. I think that Those are a great way to see how far you've come with your daily practices and also a great time to work through the theory that I think we often learn. I think one of the best things about going through the Unapologetic Woman Group program right now is that, as you know, over the past week even, I've had like an explosion of three massive challenges and the timing, thank goodness, it could not have been better in that I was working really through what was essentially some self-reflection and some theory. And I immediately had ways to practice using these different tools that you've been teaching us. To be honest, without both of those elements, I don't know how I would learn as well. I think it really comes down to having both of those pieces in place. So I try to be grateful for the challenges. That's honestly, I always try and think my business has grown massively over a year and a half. It's really, really grown quickly. And 
without major peaks and valleys, I don't know that it could have grown so fast. There were a lot of risks involved emotionally, financially, et cetera, to establishing this business. And I have to be really grateful for all the challenges that came with it because there have been massive wins, massive important relationships that I've developed and I wouldn't have it any other way. So they've all been worth it. (laughs) Yeah. And I've seen you grow. I mean, so for listeners, I met Emma because we started our businesses relatively around the same time and worked with the same coach and we were in the same group together. And so we've just kind of built this friendship through that peer accountability. And I, again, like I said, I've used her services that have I mean, whatever copy that you see on my website, a lot of it is because of Emma's support. So I always say it is that I personally, like you said, right? Like follow your strengths. So for me, writing is not one of my strengths. That's why I podcast. (laughs) I'm a speaker. So podcasting is great. If, If websites could be speaking pages, great at that. But you know, it's like your help from that. And then of course you're in my program. And one of the things that in this last year and a half, as you've have these peaks and valleys and these challenges, what has kept your momentum going to believing that you can really get through this and that your business is going to succeed? Oh, that's a really good question. I think there's a few different sort of internal resources that I've called upon, let's say. One thing I always like to keep in mind, because I have a tendency that I'm really trying to work on, but I have a tendency to catastrophize. So <laughs> when one thing kind of goes wrong, my brain wants to assume the worst case scenario, everything else goes wrong. But really when I think about it and and I do that exercise and I ask myself, if that was true, how would I handle it? Or what is the worst case scenario and could I survive it? And really I could, that really helps me feel into the risks and and do them anyway. Appreciating the support system I have, the intelligence I have, the friends that I have, all of that. Being able to realize that through those different aspects of my life, I could get through anything. So even if this new service doesn't work out, there's a a way to turn left basically and start over again or take a different approach. And I really find that to be super helpful for the way that my brain works, knowing that it's kind of, it's wiring, it's kind of predisposed (laughs) to catastrophizing. So I find that to be a more useful way of looking at it. But also I know now after lived experience that the phrase that goes more or less like this you have to let go of the good to make room for the great something along those lines Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've really found that in my life to be true and even more so if it's letting go of the mediocre (laughs) to make room for the great so that is really I think really looking at the evidence in my life of where that has been a fact and also listening to inspiring stories from other women entrepreneurs, other people I look up to, even just friends in my life who you know, share kind of a similar background to me and how doing the same thing for them, maybe leaving their job that was dissatisfied, gave them the opportunity to start their own business. And they're so much happier than they ever were before. Yeah. Or moving to a different country while it was terrifying meant that they created a whole new social network. And now they're, let's say, like a guide at their favorite art museum. There's so many opportunities through those risks. And there really is evidence for that, either looking at your own life or looking to the lives of the people that you respect. And I think that motivates me a lot of the time, thinking of writing for people who appreciate it and whose clients really need their help and being able to be that bridge between 
their ideal customers and what they can do for them is so satisfying. That really keeps me going and looking for people who I can help. So I would say those are kind of some of the resources I draw on to keep going. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. You know, most beautiful parts is that now we have access and we have ability to really determine what kind of future we want to have. And, you know, by you acknowledging and recognizing how your brain tends to operate, where it tends to go, but then by applying that technique of, well, what else could it be? You know, what's another reality? What's another, you know, reason behind this? And by you doing it more and more, it's going to slowly like rewire your brain where you're not going to be thinking, you know, worst case scenario and anymore, it's going to shift. And I'm curious if you've noticed even some of those shifts happening now. Absolutely. Yes. I would say that even I think a week or so ago, I was waiting for feedback from a coach, you know, someone who asked me, share what you've worked on so far. And I think the actual reality when I kind of reframed it for myself was that they were in a rush, <laughs> which was mm-hmm. totally fine. But my first assumption was to catastrophize and think, oh, they don't like what I did, or they're annoyed at me for some reason, when realistically, that's not the case, or there's a good potential that it's not the case. And I found that kind of natural dip a lot easier to get out of by reframing it that way to myself. And I would say something you've just recently taught me through our group program about the importance of kind of letting go of the question why and focusing more on what and how questions has made a massive impact (laughs) for me (laughs) in terms of getting myself through those dips. Because in addition to catastrophizing, ever since I was a child, I wanted to know why, which I think is good. I think like pursuing that is fantastic. And that very much speaks to my brand archetype, which is one of the things I do in my business. And my main archetype is the sage. I'm looking for truth. We're trying to discover like the truth of the universe. And sometimes I don't think that's necessarily helpful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sometimes it's much more important to look at how you move through a situation, because sometimes things are unfair, or sometimes things are beyond your control. So if you just focus on what the situation really is, and how to move through them, I've been finding that to be incredibly empowering, versus trying to figure out the meaning behind it, or what it means, why this is happening to me, I think it's a lot easier to take productive action, and bounce back quicker by working with those other questions instead. So for sure. It must have been massive shifts, even in the last month, I have to say. That's amazing. Oh, that makes me so happy. So like proud of you. It really is hard with that why question, because especially when you're a perfectionist or you're somebody that tends to have all or nothing thinking and, you know, it can really be difficult, especially as entrepreneurs where you're constantly out of your comfort zone it's very easy (laughs) to fall back on those traps that we have created for ourselves. And so the fact that you're able to now bounce back, you know, and that's one thing that I always say is that when you do mindset work, it doesn't mean that suddenly all these issues and problems are going to wipe away and they're going to go away. That's not what it is. We're still going to face challenges. We're still going to have hardships but we're going to bounce back faster. We're going to be more resilient. We're not going to feel as debilitated. We're going to not have to take a pause out of our business for two weeks because we're recuperating from that one conversation that held us down. So, you know, those pieces really make a difference. And for you as a, you know, person who is again, very committed to 
seeing and very gratifying, you know, when you see someone getting clients based off of the copy that was written and, you know, that they feel like their business is also thriving. Like, I think it's just like really seeing that interconnectivity of the fact that your copy isn't just copy. It's not just words that go on a sales page to make a sale. It's a relationship. It's a true experience because you're connecting to someone's hopes, aspirations, to someone's pain. And this individual, like I can talk about for myself, like I'm so committed to you and to all the other women that are in the program and the women who are going to join the next set of programs and all of my clients, I'm so committed because I want to see them feel empowered and to not feel debilitated that they have to take a seat back from their businesses and see themselves as leaders, but to do that work and to make sure that I really attract the client that I want to work with, which are empaths. I'm not interested in working with women that are not in that space because being an empath being someone who's highly sensitive and very driven and ambitious, they can be very conflicting of each other in terms of how you want to present yourself, right? Like you want to give and give and give, but then at the same time, being an entrepreneur and leading your business, like you want to also know where to draw the line, how you embed your values in there, not justify for other people's actions. And your copy was able to help me find you. <laughs> Well, that's so good to hear. I totally know what you mean by that. Cause I feel like we really did a great job and you through all of your, the outside work that you did in terms of connecting with people who would end up in the group, we really all share the same values, which I think is such a huge sign of a successful campaign <laughs> when it comes to content marketing and copywriting, because Really, ultimately, that is how I work too. I think that's so interesting, really, when you think about it, that we share that when we talked about how I would onboard my team and you helped me with that. We started with my values and how I would express or share those with the team and how we live them out. And the work that I do is largely based on someone's values, the founder's values, and what that means in terms of their psychology, the words that they prefer, how they can share values with their ideal clients. And that's why it goes so far beyond just trying to sell someone something. Mm -hmm. I think that is a really unfortunate, let's say, manifestation of the world of copywriting. <laughs> because this has happened in the past, there's a lot of feelings that, oh, it's kind of sleazy to write a sales page or it's manipulative. And sometimes it has been true. There are definitely people out there who suggest evoking or creating pain and mm -hmm. that they didn't even know they had so creating fear of missing out that they weren't mm -hmm. really feeling beforehand and I think a lot of it is kind of shame driven like this is something Absolutely. you don't have you're lacking and I do not agree with that at all <laughs> it feels terrible so mm -hmm. what is so much more effective and not only does it feel better but it's so much more effective is to focus on what values you share with the people you want to serve and getting to know them so that way when you do acknowledge their pain, it is a beautiful reflection to them. So they feel seen, so that they feel understood because that in and of itself can be so liberating. And then the next step is to build up their belief because something different is possible. That's what your product or service does to build their belief that it's possible for them too. And then you basically show up as their guide. I can connect you to this product or service that's going to change your life. I really, really believe that is actually a beautiful thing, which is why I love writing copy and why I love yeah. creating content, because I know that there are incredible entrepreneurs like you, all the women who are in the group that we work with, all of my clients who 
really care about the people they're trying to help, whether it's just to make their life a little more beautiful through their handmade jewelry or through their mindset programs, right? And so it's so satisfying knowing that both the entrepreneur I'm helping and their new customers, their lives have both been improved because we were able to connect them. That is beyond fulfilling. I just couldn't ask for anything else. You touched on that part about where people don't want to necessarily talk about how do you find your ideal client and how do you talk about this, especially in the healing world, it can be kind Mm. of that's the icky stuff, right? Like we're talking about now sales and money and all that. And that doesn't really coincide with talking about the mindset and being an empath and connecting and relationships and authenticity. And I love the way that you talked about it. You can't have a business where you just are like, okay, I'm ready. And then someone just walks right through. Like, I mean, if that happens, fantastic, but you know, we have to put ourselves out there and talk about it. And I think one of the most empowering parts about writing copy and the work that, you know, that I do as well is just that combining it together is that by writing copy, you're also having to really trust that I know that this is my strength. I know that I can value myself here. Right. So it's empowering yourself through that copy as well, because you're really connecting with like, if I want to really convey to people that this is what I do, then I have to believe it myself. Mm -hmm. And if I don't believe it, then it's not going to come through in the copy because you're going to be stuck with words. You're not going to have writer's block. You're not going to be able to focus on it. But when it comes so naturally, the writing just flows and it's that much easier. And the fact that you do it through empathy, I remember over a year ago or two years, maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago, I was on, I won't name them, but there was a sales coaching company and they were trying to sell me to join their group. And the way that they were doing it was with so much fear. And by the time I left the phone call and he was really not trying to get me off the phone, they wanted me to put a deposit down of like $2,500 and they would not let me get off the phone. They're like, well, what about five splitting between five credit cards and doing this and doing that? And all I could think about was as a former clinical therapist, as a mindset coach for women who are empaths, I can never imagine getting a client to sign that way because it's so out of my integrity to induce anxiety and to induce fear in someone, because what's going to happen then is that you're creating a relationship of manipulation And you're creating a relationship of mistrust because from the beginning, you're being kind of put into a situation where you're cornered into it. And then when you're going through the process, it doesn't feel as connected. And I could never imagine having a client come to me and then me pushing them into that space because especially with doing mindset work, when I'm trying to strengthen themselves and make them feel like I am worthy, I am valuable, I can say no to things that is really hard. Again, having worked with you from the copy perspective, like I know that it's when we've had multiple iterations of the different things that I've done, services and offers that I've had. And each time it's been with so much of the compassion piece and compassion for who I am going to serve, but also compassion for myself of knowing, is this feeling right? You know, and the guidance that you give in there is phenomenal. Oh, that's so great to hear. And I think that example is so perfect because your values, I think, just like you said, writing copy gives you an opportunity to reflect on them and see where you're feeling strong and where you're feeling a little bit of self-doubt. 
And you can use those values through all of your business practices, which I think is really where you come in, in terms of how you live your life through your values. Because if it feels completely icky to you (laughs) to do that kind of a sales call, then it's not the right thing to do. I think it's just super simple. So in a sales page context, if I give you a suggestion, because it might be the way I'd say it, or I know that psychologically it's effective, but it doesn't feel right to you, then always I'm going to say, do whatever feels right to you first. Plus, you know your people better than me, even as your coach, even as someone who maybe sometimes is your ideal client, just by coincidence with you, Kyle. (laughs) You ultimately know best what is the right thing to do. And I really have a lot of trust in that. Plus, I think what you said about, you know, that backing someone into a corner, inducing fear, which happens both in sales calls and on sales pages. Mm-hmm. I think it's also very short sighted because it creates mistrust. Like you said, it creates resentment, I would say in the Absolutely. other side. And then I think that shortens the lifespan of, of that client within your business, because I wouldn't want to be loyal to people who I felt didn't have my best interests at heart. It's so mm-hmm. important to make sure that it's communicating more on through empathy, through possibility, through believing in the best future, the best outcome for your ideal client, which again means you've got to come in with the mindset knowing that what you offer is 100% worth it. That's how I know one of my clients has written an amazing sales page is I'll be reading it and I'll come out the other end saying, I want to buy it, which in a sense (laughs) happened with you. It's happened with another client or two of mine, but I bought earrings, you know, I almost bought a lock, (laughs) all sorts of stuff like that. It really is the best. Like you can just tell when someone is confident, when they know who their ideal client is, it comes across in their words, whether it's speaking or on the page. So Mm -hmm. yeah, you always got to trust your gut on that. And I really think that your intuition plays a role. Like I think for me, ultimately, if I say, I think you're done the sales page file, it's because intuitively I feel it's coming up for me that this is a confident, helpful piece of writing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You know, and, you know, and I think that one thing that's been really, really great to see as well with you is just that as you are growing, you know, you are really taking on those different challenges. And like, for example, like bringing on a team and now it's like, you're really taking the accountability for yourself of, okay, I'm now in a position where I've never really seen myself as a leader before. I've never seen myself in this role. You know, it's always been that I'm the solopreneur. I'm the one who writes the copy. And now, you know, you've hired a junior copywriter and you have like a VA and you have like a couple other people as well. And now they're all asking you and you have to give them a vision and you have to give them, you know, set expectations and they're looking to you for answers. And, you know, at that moment is where you went ahead and invested in the mindset coaching work, because, you know, what I think is really great is that a lot of times when it comes to mindset work, people will think, well, let me just like, you know, get these project management tools. Maybe I just get this. Maybe I just do this. And they'll find other things and tools and gadgets to get them to automate, which is absolutely necessary too. And it really, really Mm -hmm. helps. And in fact, it's probably a really positive thing to do those things because it frees your mind and allows you to work on some of these things that you were talking about, like boundary setting, those challenging conversations, you know, re-navigating the way that your mind automatically goes to and shifting it away from that. So you can show up for everybody. And so 
you know, why was that so important for you as someone who is going from being a solopreneur to being a team leader? Why was it so important for you to invest in mindset coaching at that moment? Such a good question. I would say I really want this to work as simple as that sounds. I want to have a team that loves working with me. I've been in corporate, you know, I've been part of a team before and I know what I don't want it to be. And I know why I became an entrepreneur. So if people are going to be working with me, I want to make sure they have a fantastic experience. And I want to make sure that it improves the experience of our clients. And it also improves my experience by giving me a little bit more work-life balance back. I want it to be successful. And I realized when kind of considering what I had to offer them that in some areas, in terms of my expertise and being able to train my junior copywriter, there's a lot I can share with her. I'm really prepared to do that. And at the same time, in terms of creating a feeling that everybody belongs and thinking through how their onboarding process is going to work and how I'm going to handle situations where maybe we bring in a client that's not a good fit and I have to help them manage that or stand up for them. I realized these were things that I didn't have experience with. So I really thought through what to me is success as a leader of this team and realized there are a few gaps here where I want to be ready. I want to make sure that I feel confident that I'm going to do the best possible job. So that's really when I reached out. (laughs) That's great. And I mean, you know, just from you being in the group, I've seen your growth because you truly are committed. And I think that's what, you know, we touched on it before, but you show up, you're committed, you're learning, you're absorbing, you're applying, and that's what it takes, right? Everyone can sign up for a program, but it's like, ultimately, are you ready to do the work? And that's when you see those shifts happening. So definitely, I have to say also the fact that we check in every mm-hmm. couple of weeks makes a huge difference in that for me. It really helps me be accountable and really also pushes me because I'm quite introverted. And we've kind of talked about this before where I want to, especially the first couple of times I want to participate, but it's taking me a while to kind of process things and think through things. Everybody's new, but being able to meet week after week with a small group of like-minded people has created such a safe space for me to show up and explore and also make sure I'm getting things done on time. So I want to be able to talk about them with you. I think everybody's a bit different that way. But for me, that group experience makes all the difference in terms of making sure I'm staying committed to making it happen. Yeah. And I have to say, you know, this group has been incredible. The amount of vulnerability, the amount of honesty, the amount of experiences that are shared. And what's also incredible, you know, is that I really, to be honest, wasn't sure how it was going to work because, you know, for listeners out there, the group program that Emma's part of the mindset transformation program, it's a combination of entrepreneurs and of corporate women. And so, you know, I wasn't sure how this mix was going to happen, but what's incredible is that it doesn't even matter that piece doesn't necessarily even come up as much. It's really, there's so much that is shared and all of you live in such different places. And <laughs> That's yet, for sure. <laughs> you know, we've got Canada and you're in Canada. We've got Australia. We've got, you know, Seattle. I think she's in DC now. Like it's just, you know, everywhere. Yet none of that geography, anything matters. And that, you know, person who's showing up is the empath, the one who is committed, the one who is going through the exact same 
concerns, but has the same level of drive, you know, and commitment to showing up for themselves. And something that you touched on that I thought was really important is that you're an introvert and you're an introvert that is truly an introvert, not someone that's, you know, on the cusp necessarily. And, you know, a lot of times people have the notion that introverts are not good leaders. And I always say that is far from the truth. And we have to look at it, not from the extroverted or the introverted, but from the skills that we have, the strengths that we have and how we're pulling that. And you are showing up because you love what you do. You know, you're good at that. You know, you really like delegating the stuff that you don't want to do, which is an important part. Yeah. I mean, Hey, I love that too. It's one of my favorite parts. You know, how to cultivate your strengths and what those areas and gaps are where you may need then somebody to come in. And that is really a true leadership skill that is necessary. So, you know, the reason I bring this up is because anything that's imbalanced, I would say unfortunate. So, you know, an unfortunate extroverted defined leadership world where you have to show up charismatic and you have to show up social and you have to be like charming and all of those skills are soft skills that they say that are necessary, but what I think are necessary are more of the emotional intelligence of like, how do you build relationships? How do you make those decisions? How do you see yourself so you can communicate better? And, you know, we do the emotional intelligence assessment in this program, but through that, you know, what I think comes out is that as an introvert, one of the superpowers is that you know how to have deep conversations because the surface ones can kill you. <laughs> so <Totally. laughs> you know how to have these deep conversations that allow you to really, you know, build a better bond and a more like stronger bond with people, which I'm sure comes in use, not just with your team, with your reoccurring clients, but also mm-hmm. with, you know, just building a network. So talk to us about that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's true. I think for a long time, I also saw that as a weakness where kind of small talk is for me, it's a skill I've had to work on (laughs) for sure and develop, especially when it comes to a group of people. And I felt like the fact that I wanted to dive into deep conversations was almost a liability. It kind of made me I don't know, somebody that, especially in high school, that people might not want to talk to because I think high school is not a time when people want to be vulnerable in the slightest. (laughs) (laughs) So, but what it did mean is even back then, when I established a relationship with someone, it was long lasting. And that is truly something that's important to me in my business too. I have long-term partner clients on the done for you side and on the coaching side. And that is so satisfying. And I know that that is because I think being comfortable with the deep conversations and thriving on one-on-one conversations especially means that I think it's easier for me maybe than others to be really transparent and be more vulnerable, even though it's terrifying sometimes. (laughs) It feels like this is the right thing to do. For me, it comes back to feeling like if I, as Emma, am acting in integrity, that involves being brave even when I don't feel like it, it involves, you know, asking questions about what people really care about at all. So now as a business owner, and as a newer leader, I can definitely see that being a huge benefit. I feel like, for example, my VA who I onboarded 
two weeks ago, I feel like we've already started to get to know each other and trust each other because we, while we did talk about some lighthearted things, we also, I think with me opening that conversation, have been able to talk about what really matters, being able to be super transparent around the direction of the business and my hopes for her. And I went through this and I want you to know that if this happens to you too, you can come to me, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Trying to be just super myself, I guess. Yeah, I think it can be a definite benefit to be an introvert. And I think just realizing there's benefits to both of them after all, even though our culture at large doesn't necessarily value that practicing it, like recognizing myself for it and recognizing other introverts for it. And what I like about talking to them has made a really big difference. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it really just, again, I think the theme of this conversation has been know thy values. Yeah, <laughs> you know, It really is know yourself, know your values, because when those get compromised, then that's where all of that uncomfortable feeling comes up. The anger, the frustration, you know, the resentment comes up is because we're compromising on ourselves. And so Mm -hmm. that's that number one piece that, you know, we talk about in the program. I talk about all the time and clearly you are really embedding into your business and, you know, you're going to then attract employees and individuals that come work with you that believe in that same way, you know, and that's where, again, I always say this and I will continue to say it is that we've got 7 billion people in this world. We'll all find our little corners. We're okay. You know? And Mm -hmm. so it's okay if someone doesn't fit your cultural norm, you know, that you want to create for your company. It's okay. If someone ends up leaving your company, because, you know, there will be somebody else that will be creating space and opening space up for someone else who's a better fit. And I think that's really important. So as we wrap up, you know, I have two questions that I like to ask everyone who comes on. And the first question I want to ask is in your words, in your ways, you know, how would you describe what it means to be the unapologetic woman? For me, the first words that come to mind are courageous, reflective, empathetic, kind. I think that's really what it comes down to for me. If I think about the unapologetic woman. Yeah. And who has that been for you in your life? When I put it that way, you know, I'm not necessarily looking at political figures anymore. Like I'm not necessarily looking at people who were celebrities who I looked up to. It really helped me see it as people in my everyday life. And so One person who comes to mind, thinking also in terms of my business life, is my writing mentor, Jack Fish, Jacqueline Fish, who I got to know really early at the start of my business, and who, while I share a lot with her, also has, I would say, a different wiring in the sense that she's super clear on who she is, and she does not catastrophize. She, you know, super calm. When I'm having a bit of a freak out, I can go to her. (laughs) and she'll help me process it and she's really good and I think this has not necessarily come to her by the way she was born but she's really practiced not taking it on holding space for me while also not taking it on into herself Mm -hmm. and those are character traits and I think things that can be developed that I really admire about her they mean that she is a safe person for me to go to someone I trust someone who I look up to and I find, you know, she's my mentor. (laughs) She's my mentor for a reason. (laughs) And I think when I think about kind of coming into more of the unapologetic woman and all this mindset work, being able to have that kind of calm in a storm vibe that Mm. Jack has or getting a little closer to it is really, really 
important. So I think in the world of business, Jack is probably the first unapologetic woman who I've met and I've met plenty and will continue to meet many more going forward. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. I want to give you a moment to just share, like, how can the listeners find you and how can they work with you? Absolutely. So you can definitely find me on Instagram. I'm there. That's probably my main social media platform. So you can find me at Emma Givens Writer and you can check me out and all of our writing coaching and partnership offers over at amagivens.com. And if you just want to get started and seeing uh, what kind of little ways you can turn one piece of copy or content into many, you can check out amagivens.com slash free guide to learn about starting with something that you actually like, perhaps podcasting like Pile and turning that into a whole bunch of other content so you can get seen by the people who need you. Amazing. Well, Emma, thank you so much for being here. Now, not only have we had these multiple other types of relationships that have built, but now we have one more to add to our list. And, you know, I hope that as we both continue growing in this space that, you know, that never stops because I think of you as truly an unapologetic woman. Oh, thank you. Same here. Thank you so much for having me, Pyle. And thank you to all Pyle listeners for being so amazing. (laughs) Thanks for listening to The Unapologetic Woman. If you like what you heard today, then please subscribe so you'll get real-time updates when I post a new episode. And if you really believe that others should be hearing this, then leave a rating or review this episode so others can find it too. And if there's something you'd really love for me to cover or highlight, then head over to my Instagram account at Pileberry. DM me to let me know. I'm all ears. If you want free resources, practical tips, and inspirational stories that I share with my clients, visit Pileberry.com and subscribe to my newsletter. You'll get them all. Until then, take a moment to celebrate your journey, reflect, and be ready to embrace your next epiphany.